0: Welcome to reversing Hashimoto's show. I'm your show host, Dr. Anshul Gupta, the world expert in Hashimoto's disease. I help people reverse their thyroid conditions by making personalized functional medicine plans. You can work with me with any part of the country now by making virtual functional medicine appointments. To book an appointment, look at the show notes. In this show, I am going to get experts from all over the world who are going to share latest information that will help you to reclaim your life back from dreadful thyroid disease. So welcome here. And today we have lovely Dr. Robin Rose with us. Dr. Robin Rose is a board certified family physician with focus on functional medicine approach to kidney disease. She worked as a family physician for more than 25 years and now she specializes in chronic kidney disease. She has spent the last eight years researching the neglected arena of early chronic kidney disease. She created the new field of renology, primary care kidney medicine, from the most pristine, preventive, integrative, functional, holistic perspective. She does peer-to-peer consults and coaching for patients, especially with chronic kidney disease, She also likes to teach this stuff and is now writing a book on holistic approach to kidney disease. Dr. Robin, welcome to our summit.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for being here. You know, you have such a nice background and it's so impressive. We don't find many people who actually now specialize in the functional medicine, kidney disease care, and then like also uh, the thyroid care. So I would like to actually hear your story, how your journey began and how you got interested into this kidney disease.
1: Thank you. Well, as a um, aging family doctor, I finally came to a place where I realized it was time to uh, live my life. My husband and I did a bit of traveling and ended up coming to Hawaii where I live now. and. I started having blood pressure spikes. I was like, this isn't a good thing. Mm -hmm. And long and short of it, I was diagnosed with a kidney tumor. a Bit alarming and had clarity. I I want to remove this tumor and had the surgery, had a nephrectomy. Three weeks post-operatively, I came back to Hawaii and I was a bit fragile. Um, Really, nobody told me much. You'd think as a family physician, I would be kidney wise. I found out none of us are. And so three months into it, I found out I had a GFR that was at 30, which is at a point where it, it starts getting serious. And what I found was there was so little support for what do I do? What do I eat? How do I think about this? And what I got, repeatedly was, don't worry about it. Don't worry. I was like, well, I am worried. You know, I don't feel good. I'm losing weight. Um, You know, my brain isn't working well. It turned out my potassium was elevated and I had a lot of things going on. And this is, you know, in a exercising, you know, diet attuned position. So I essentially had to go to basics. What exactly does that elevated potassium mean in kidney disease? So, you know, essentially very slowly me and me and uh, my medical library here ended up finding enormous amount of information. There's so much written. And what I found out is in the guidelines, nephrology, bless them for taking care of very sick people, really don't, have the expertise for earlier kidney disease. In fact, their guidelines say, we don't wanna see you until your GFR, which is the lab that we use, it's called glomerular filtration rate. And and we know the kidney is a filter. And so that's, that's a number that we use. It's kind of a made up number, but it's a guide. And at that point, it was like, well, this doesn't make any sense to me. And so over time, I've really been guided by patients whose issues were brought to me and physicians whose questions came to me. And and slowly I came to realize early kidney disease is where to start. And and in primary care, that's what we do. You know, a specialist gets a referral, the person's already evolved, usually in, in the course of their illness. But our job is really to take all comers and figure out what's going on. And because I think all of us are somewhat intimidated by kidney medicine. And, and, and unfortunately, I figured out a few things. Early on, there was nothing. And these doctors were, you know, how can I say it, like devastated to see very sick people and you don't have anything to offer them. And so dialysis was discovered and it basically led to dropping the ball with what to do earlier. Everything was dialysis is coming. You know, when I tell people, you know, I have chronic kidney disease. Oh, are you on dialysis? No, you know, there's, there's, Years, decades for some people before that happens. And yet we offer very little. And so I've been impressed, blown away by the enormity of how extensive abnormal kidney is in affecting every other part of the body. And, and so, you know, in talking about this with thyroid, I mean it's it's a big player with thyroid, and yet mostly it's ignored. I mean, not one of the many docs I saw ever mentioned thyroid to me, I mentioned it to them. And so, you know, it's very exciting to me to realize that we can address this and we can do it early. And I'm seeing people turn around and get better. And it really takes motivation from the patient. You know, it's like, you gotta go home and change your ways. And some of them seemed like they to me were healthy ways, but they were not kidney healthy.
0: Oh, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And I will agree that, you know, like before meeting you, uh, my thyroid patients, I was not so much focused on their kidney health either because, you know, uh, we were not taught this way and, ever, and we never thought about kidney disease affecting the thyroid disorder. So mm-hmm. I am really excited for a discussion today I'm really excited to learn more from you. Um, So let's delve right into it. So tell us more about this connection. Like, you know, how does kidney and thyroid like, you know, connect each other?
1: Well, one thing to remember is kidney disease affects about 13 plus percent of the population. That's a lot of people. Many of them don't know they have it until like me, I mean, I was well advanced before I even was aware of it, though looking back at labs, I I saw I had been, but it gets neglected. And so one thing to say is that we stage it. And stage one, it's pretty minor. I don't even address that much. Stage two, the GFR is between 60 and 90. That is ignored by classical conventional nephrology unless the person is peeing protein. Proteinuria is is something that stage two collects. Stage three from a 30 to 60 GFR is acknowledged as the beginning of kidney disease and a lot is happening. Stage four and five, way more severe and harder to turn around, though possible. Um, you know, one of the things to know is if you have early kidney disease, start learning about the diet, start learning about your sleep, your hydration, stress levels, exercise, toxins, and these are all important. And funny thing, they're kind of also important with thyroid and Hashimoto's, you know, so I, I've, in preparation for this, thank you, I, I put together some information. The two problems have symptoms that are similar you know and so you see kidney patients with swelling in their face tired fatigued anemic these are all symptoms in common anemia is something that you see with thyroid disease and is very common in, in kidney you know and so we know that what the thyroid does you know in terms of energy metabolism growth and development the kidney meets and yet when kidney starts to decline, the thyroid fails. Um, you know, the, the, I mean, I, I make jokes about, you know, the kidney bone is connected to the thyroid bone. And there's there's very little attention put to it, though there's a lot written. You know, there's a lot that we know.
0: Uh, that's so the, you brought about like very important points, you know, for staging the kidneys, because a lot of people, you know, like same with thyroid you know, they're walking and talking and, you know, unless they do the proper labs to check, you know, like their kidney function, they might not even know that they are developing early stages of kidney disease. And the right. good part is that these are simple tests, right? You know, they can go to any local doctor or their own doctor and just check their kidney function. And, the and you know, is- mostly
1: everybody who ever gets lab work done, there are kidney labs, you know, the basic lab work, You know, you show up anywhere and you get, you know, the CBC and the Ken panel and the urinalysis. Big bonus. You you can figure out kidney with with those, just those few tests.
0: Exactly. So easy to figure out. Um, So that way, obviously, if your doctor doesn't talk about it, Maybe you can look at your GFR, you know, and then maybe see if you're falling into a stage one or a stage two, because, you know, I think we are going to just talk about it, like why early diagnosis and early treatment is so important that can safeguard your thyroid and also safeguard your kidney. So that will be very important. But before that, we go into that, you know, the symptoms. Right. So it's so so interesting that this all the symptoms that you mentioned are, you know, coinciding with thyroid and the kidney disease. Both have very similar symptoms. But sure. there's more. Difference. I mean,
1: constipation, lipids, you know, brain dysfunction, cardio issues are common. Wow, yeah.
0: That is amazing. You know, that that is amazing. So that is one more reason to actually pay attention to these labs to make sure that it's not just the thyroid, it's also your kidney. Which might be causing these symptoms, so that so that that is an amazing thing that you know I think we all need to pay attention to
1: yes, and so you know mostly the concern is with hypothyroid i mean there there are cases with hyper but and mostly with Hashimoto's, it is hypo, and so it, it's interesting because you know with hypothyroid protein synthesis is affected mm-hmm. and then if there is proteinuria, there's loss in the urine of the hormone itself. And so, you know, right there, there's, there's enough of a lack that the symptoms start arising. And, and like you say, these are patients walking around fine. Eh, I'm tired a little, but I'm fine. And that, that's the time, that is the time. You know, a little bit of fatigue is, is a portal to fixing up a lot of stuff. And, you know, there's an array. There's so many things you can, can address. But with thyroid, it, it's, it's a big, it's a bingo for so many people.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely. So tell us why is it important to do this early diagnosis, you know, like uh, versus like, you know, waiting till the end, which the conventional doctors generally want to wait I'll come back, you know, every one year or every six months and we'll repeat the labs. And once you're into stage four, then you'll do something about it. So what people can do or like, you know, why is it important to first, you know, like get diagnosis in early stages?
1: Right. So my own realization was this had to start somewhere. You know, it didn't just all of a sudden I woke up one day and I was broken. Um, And so... That that's the subtlety that I'm looking for. There's an intuition to it, because really, the the conventional line is there are no symptoms in early kidney disease. I kind of disagree. I think they're subtle. And if you really drill down and take a good history, you'll find out, yeah, there's symptoms, but maybe they're vague. And so... You know you can offset that. I mean, I, I spent part of today reading about mitochondrial dysfunction with kidney disease, and and some wonderful peptide remedies for it. And so, what I what I realized was early on. Mitochondria are starting to decline early on. Endothelial dysfunction. The blood vessels are damaged. A kidneys are clump of blood vessels, and so we can do stuff about this. You know, most of us have bad habits. And so, you know, the array of, of, I call them kidney treats, you know, you can change your diet, you have to learn a lot. And it's individual, what what works for me and my diet with kidney may not work for you. It's all based on on your individual labs. There's so many things that get out of out of whack. It's like being a pilot, you know, you have to just keep fine tuning and it keeps changing. So over time, you know, we're, we're constantly looking, but I've seen miraculous turnarounds, you know, the kind of case where, oh, you never had that in the first place, because the effort to, you know, get rid of glyphosate in your diet that causes leaky gut and that makes kidney worse. Um, You know, the toxins in your food, under your kitchen sink, in your bathroom, you know, all these things, we can adjust, we can adapt. And let's adapt well. You know, I mean, the first thing to know is kidney in Chinese medicine is fear. So the mind-body thing is start paying attention to reactivity you know, and discernment. I call kidney a, a discerning organ because it's filtering all day long. It has to decide. Everything in the blood comes into the glomerulus. this this clump of blood vessels. And then it has to decide and filter things. And then the tubules kind of decide what to keep and what to throw out. And that's life. We have to d- discern in that way. I call it the Raja Yoga of the body to really understand what's good for me and what isn't. It is really a blessing to know that, you know, and so with kidney, it, it, it the auntie's up. You better learn that because I have seen so many people poo-poo all of, you know, crazy Dr. Robin's advice, and then I hear they're on dialysis. Quickly, and so so early diagnosis means I needed time. I'm I'm a health food nut. I was you know like a health food eater from the 70s. It took me a long time to really get at what I needed to eat with this diet, you know. And so we're we have a gentler entry. You don't have to panic. You go okay, this is a long term thing. Let's look at what can we change. Gee, I don't drink enough fluids. Adapt. <laughs> you need to exercise differently. I'm just in the conversation with a man who is really overdoing his exercise. That's too traumatic for kidney. You know, that's unfortunate, but sorry, you know, you don't want your kidneys to deteriorate because it affects everything cardio. We call that cardiorenal. And many cardiac cases are neglected kidney cases. Kidney will make cardiac stuff. 30 times worse literally and and brain dysfunction and gut dysfunction and muscle dysfunction and autoimmune issues and so why not start early cuz we can just you know really gently assist the adaptation and offer some tools
0: that is awesome. You know, thank you for putting it so beautifully. You know, that's what I can say, you know, like uh, the way you kind of put it out is, is very important and also in a very beautiful manner. So let's kind of delve into more things about uh, things that we see in thyroid and kidney disease and why they're important. Especially I'm more intrigued about this low T3 syndrome. Uh, Because a lot of my patients, you know, have low T3 and, you know, obviously we do things to get them better, but seems like there is a connection between the T3 and the kidney disease. And that's where we might have to work on kidney disease to make it better. So, and
1: we know that T3 tends to be ignored.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yes.
1: It's like, no, we don't use that. You don't need it. And so Mm -hmm. one of the things that's interesting is there's T4 and an enzyme comes and takes away one of them and you have T3. That enzyme gets damaged with kidney disease to some extent. And there's things that happen, like the damage to the kidney means protein gets through and people lose protein in their urine. That's serious, that's a bad thing. And there's things to do that can happen in stage two often with diabetes, but not only, um, people can have microscopic hematuria, meaning they're losing blood through their pee. Not a good thing. And it's, you know, I mean, I've had it, and they are like, well, we don't know. The the we don't know part isn't isn't always comforting. Um, You know, so when there's, my dogs are going off, when there's protein in the urine, think kidney. I mean, sorry, think thyroid. Um, You know, and so things happen, like when the thyroid is damaging kidney and vice versa, we see cardiac things change, you know, peripheral resistance. So the blood vessels going out from the heart may not react properly. So you can end up having edema and high blood pressure, and, you know, when, and when that happens, there's less blood flow to the kidneys as well, and then you start seeing creatinine rise, and that's another one of the lab tests that we see routinely on, you know, everybody that gets a a panel has a creatinine, and one of the cool things that I, that I found out early on was, as soon as you start seeing that creatinine rising, you already have 20% damage. I don't know, that's alarming. I mean, in a GFR of 60, when we just start talking about, now we have kidney disease, that's already 50% loss.
0: Oh my God. That's
1: kind of, that got my attention, you know? And so, so there's, you know, so when, when you have thyroid jumping in on this scuffle, it it gets much worse. You can end up having things that you can't figure out. Why is there edema I can't fix? Why is the blood pressure I can't get a handle on it? You know, and of course, with Hashimoto's, you have the autoimmune thing. And that brings us to the microbiome in the gut, because one thing to know, you call it uremic toxemia. So, When the kidney can't expel toxins, you know, when you're not urinating out stuff that you need to get rid of, often it ends up in the gut. And the body's smart enough to know maybe I can excrete this this way. But that causes damage to the colon. And you can end up having leaky gut, meaning, you know, that the colon cells. Let stuff through, it gets into the blood and causes inflammation. And we know that with Hashimoto's, that's a thing. And we also know that with kidney dysbiosis makes kidney function worse. And so there's another, you know, crossover between Hashimoto's and CKD. And we know a lot about how to take care of the gut, you know, and, and get rid of that inflammatory bowel issue that leads to leaky gut and autoimmune problems. And so, you know, not everybody with Hashimoto's is fully hypothyroid, and so sometimes we miss that. I mean, I've seen conversations with physicians saying, ah, the thyroid function's normal, ignore it. And I never have, Um, you know, with, with any autoimmune stuff, again, revert to preventive thinking, you know, patients are motivated, they'll do it. You know, not everybody, but most patients and I had wonderful motivated people. Once once they understood and that that means you take time and teach, then they ended up doing beautifully. And so you know, it's 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 just not not an uncommon thing. So with the T3 syndrome, we can't convert from T4 to T3. So if a physician is ordering thyroid labs and just getting a TSH and just getting a T4, this might be altogether missed. And so we have an atypical situation and you know the, the, the rhythms of thyroid just get messed with you know, kidneys insidious. It's like, you know, people think, oh, it's just a filter. The consequence of bad filtering is, is full on everywhere. It affects, I mean, I've done a full body scan relating to kidney, you know, and it's like any body part you want to know about, I can tell you deficient kidney will make it harder to get better with that. So, you know, the, the, the issue with low T3 syndrome, it's easy. It's easy to fix, you know? I mean, my own thyroid, I had been taking thyroid for years and I just have had to adjust the T3 over time. You know, we've, we've watched it and you can get it compounded. It costs more, but then, you know, you get an accurate reading, you know? I mean, you can get T4 and you can get T3 and take both of them together. Many physicians aren't familiar with how to do that.
0: Absolutely. Yes. You know, it's so common, you know, like uh, several clients of ours, you know, they are taking T4 and then as soon as we you know, we say we might, you might need a little bit of T3 and the physician have no idea what we are talking about, you know, right. and, and, you know, as you rightly pointed out, it's so easy. Now, even, I mean, even if compounding is challenging that, you know, you cannot afford it you know, T3 medicine is available by prescription. So which can be covered by your insurance. So that is you know, obviously a good way to start off with. And then if you can afford a compounding, there is no, like, no, there is no choice because compounding is much more better. You don't get the fillers, you know, you know, you're getting the right medicine. So that's always great. But you pointed an important point is that you know, a lot of people, when they come to see me that, you know, for Hashimoto's, you know, there, as you said, the thyroid function is still decent range, but their antibody levels are high. So, now what we're talking about is that even when your thyroid numbers are normal, you know, that damage to the kidney might be happening because those autoimmune processes are still happening. So, again, more of a reason to start working on reversing that underlying autoimmune process. So, you not only safeguard your thyroid, but also safeguard your kidneys. Is that correct?
1: And other, I mean, we know that autoimmune diseases run in gangs.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: you You often see other, other, problems arise because, Mm. you know, these little fiery antibodies irritate other things. And, you know, but, but especially with kidney, I mean, it's, it, it is fascinating to really delve into this and realize how significant it is and how much we're missing it. And so, you know, I'd like to, to go into the idea of protein in the urine, pretty much what I found is it's not just albumin. You know, we think, oh, you know, albuminuria—that's that's what it is. Microalbumin with diabetics, but it's other proteins. It's it's our hormones and other necessary things. And so, don't neglect proteinuria ever. Um, you know, there's dietary changes to make. There's, you know, lower your salt. Thyroid, and kidney, and and salt are not good friends. And you know, and so they've, they've often, there's been quite a few studies looking at this where protein uric kidney patients generally have higher TSH, that, that's the generalization. And then immune complexes, you know, these antibody little, I, I call them little Pac-Man that, that run around in the body, will end up harming kidney structures. And,
0: you know, so I I would like to repeat the statement for like, you know, the folks is that, you know, people, you know, with like, you know, kidney dysfunction, it was shown that they have a higher TSH, right? So that means that, you know, people do have hypothyroid who have a kidney dysfunction. so very profound statement because, you know, as you said, you know, like we just don't put into two and two together. So the research from according to you does suggest that, you know, like people who have a kidney disease have a higher chance of getting thyroid disease too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm cheating and looking at my notes as we're talking and this one study looked at 159 people who had protein in their urine and the majority of them had TSHs that were of concern. And so, you know, as, as thyroid hormone gets peed out, and it's not available, you know, uh, they're vicious cycles. And so, by the way, I like to to put my plug in Renology, which I have basically created out of necessity is about kidney success. And And the vicious cycles, there's so many vicious cycles in kidney disease. You know, it's either the thyroid harms kidney or kidney harms thyroid. And you got to step in and make precious cycles. And and that's really why we're talking because you can, you really can. And the other thing that I really like to talk about with kidney in every case and specifically in this case is that acidosis is a very, very common thing. So there's there's that acid-base balance in the body and there's a very precise balance, many things change that and it, it's a it's a logarithmic thing so a little tiny change causes a lot of a lot of problems and so it pretty much was that if you can repair the metabolic acidosis in a ckd patient their thyroid will improve and normalize I and mean, that's that's dramatic why why would we ever neglect that you know and, and so it's just an interesting thing because with acidosis, there's all kinds of things that happen. Um, growth hormone doesn't work as well, so things don't repair. Um, steroids, glucocorticoids will go up. Body's worried; it's like something's wrong. You know, do something. Um, and of course, proteins get broken down. And you know, in my own case. I I eat a plant-based diet, which is highly recommended for kidney because the nitrogen factor and and the way the body deals with, with animal foods is just more troubling to kidney. And I thought, I'm fine. I'm eating this nice alkaline diet. But on the lab test, again, on basic panel, you see a lab that's called CO2 and when the CO2 is elevated, that's better. It becomes more alkaline. When it's low, it's acidic. And mostly in in the nephrology community, they talk about a CO2 around 21, 22. Personally, and in my renology mindset, particularly looking at earlier people, um, I like it closer to 30. Of course, personalized, each patient is is unique, but still that way, what I noticed in my own self, my potassium had been elevated, it normalized. That's a common problem with kidney disease. Um, Uric acid often gets elevated. Mine was, it normalized. Parathyroid hormone often gets elevated, and that's a whole complicated thing with calcium and vitamin D and phosphorus it all became normal. And so I look at people's labs a lot and often it's anywhere from 19 to 23, the CO2. And the thing to understand is that acid, like think of HCl, H is, is the hydrogen ion, that's the acid and the kidney has trouble getting rid of it. And so it just accumulates and so you know, the dietary aspect is huge. You know, animal foods and grains make you more acidic. Doesn't mean don't eat them, but don't eat too many of them because otherwise lose that balance. And many things happen, including Hashimoto's is, is made much worse. And so, you know, it's, it's like, it, there's no reason to, to neglect this aspect of of our care, it's so easy. I mean, you know, some people take a half a teaspoon of bicarbonate in water daily, easy. Most, you know, many of the nephrologists will recommend this and, you know, anybody listening to this, you really need to have somebody guiding you. Kidney is so fragile, but there are some things that biohackers, kidney biohackers are people who really wanna take care of themselves. And you just have to be wise and careful and do your homework. A lot of it.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I agree with that. You know, kidney is such a fragile organ that, you know, uh, too much of a one thing can be dangerous and too little of a thing can also be dangerous. So we are just it's a very, very like, you know, a balanced approach. Uh, so, I mean, as you're talking about the diet and other things, so why don't we talk about the diet? Because I'm sure everybody would like to know what is the best diet, you know, that they can use for the Hashimoto's and the kidney disease. And I'm sure like, you know, there are a lot of overlapping things that people can use. So so why don't you share things about that?
1: Absolutely. Diet is is like the primary saving grace in, in CKD really. Um, the first thing to think about is protein because the kidney has difficulty with nitrogen. And so, Animal foods are harder on kidney, and that doesn't mean never eat them, but I encourage people start learning how to be plant-based, and that doesn't mean I ate broccoli, I'm good. Protein is a harder thing. What do you eat when you don't eat animals for protein? And that's basically, you know, legumes and peas and nuts. I am a soy lover. I have found um, tofu to be one of the most amazing foods for CKD because the phosphorus is low. Potassium is a little bit of an issue but it's because it's it's more alkaline, it, it tends to be less of a problem. That's another thing that metabolic acidosis makes potassium more of a problem. Uh, you know, and so so that that's a primary occupation. Figure out how to get enough protein, and then too much protein is very popular now and very dangerous for kidney. And you know, a lot of the nephrologists who are into nutrition are like, "Oh God, you know, all this, you know, high level." And so there's a measurement, which is grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. We don't use kilograms in America too much, but that's, that's kind of what it is. And, and the advisor is 0. 0.6 to 0. 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of optimal body weight. That's a little algebra to figure all that out. And then there's, there's things like chronometer and self, where they're free apps on, on websites that you can actually monitor how much you're eating of anything. I mean, the chronometer is amazing. And you can find out how much selenium, selenium you had in your diet that day, how much omega-3. It's a pain in the neck to do it, I will guarantee. And so worth it. it is, it's really, I mean, everybody should do this. Every doctor should do it because it's really a pain in the neck, but worth it, you know, with the scale and measuring. And yet for me, it really turned around my awareness. I mean, do you know how many grams of protein you ate today?
0: Not really. Yeah. Yes, you know, I try to achieve, you know, uh, uh, the as you said, the minimal amount around 0. 0.6 grams for my kilograms so for my optimal weight. So I try to eat between, like, you know, 30 to 40 grams of protein a day. But yeah. very frank, I I don't count it.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, and I stopped because I got enough of a sense of it. Like mm-hmm. I kind of can look at a play and go, okay, this is good. But the learning curve is really precious. I mean, that is an Rx work on the diet. The other thing that I'm very strongly in favor of is being organic. And the reason is because we know from population studies that pesticides harm kidney. Farmers who work with these pesticides are dropping in in droves in third world countries where they have no monitoring of any of this. It's it's very serious. A lot of studies came out of Sri Lanka about this, but You know, unfortunately, we're inundated with glyphosate and glyphosate is dangerous to kidney. It causes leaky gut and leads to that inflammatory endpoint. And and one thing I didn't mention is the endpoint of any kind of kidney disease, doesn't matter what, is scarring, fibrosis. And it starts with inflammation, which is basically an inside job. I mean, you know, inflammation, like you cut yourself and you see it's red, that that's one form of it It, when it's happening inside the body, that's, it's not a good thing. And it leads to pretty much everything we talk about, you know, heart disease and diabetes and brain problems and yada, yada inflammation. And so learning how to control that in your life is the most self-loving thing you can do. And so, you know, it. Once a kidney scars, it's pretty much end of the line. Before the scarring, you can turn it around, so
0: Absolutely. that's when you're
1: early as well. Right, break long and you can't fix it, and and so, you know that aspect. Lots of vegetables, but again, you got to know what your potassium and your phosphorus is on your lab because that will guide diet. Um, Fruit, actually, I found out, I used to tell people, no problem, eat all the fruit you want. Well, fructose actually is not wonderful. Too much fructose will mess up the liver. Liver and kidney have a relationship. And so, you know, it's hard to limit fruit. I live in Hawaii, but I, I do because... It's just, you know, food is food. It's like, if I'm neurotic about stuff, I'll go draw a picture or, you know, take a walk because to use food to pabble my emotions is really dangerous for kidney stuff, for, every, for all of us. Um, and I'm just noticing something that caught my eye on my notes, which is free T3 can be, and they've done studies, remedied with citrate, another way to alkalinize. Oh. And I, I wanted to bring that out because, you know, early on, magnesium is safe. Later in kidney disease, you got to be careful. It it can get too elevated, but early, it's pretty rare that dosing magnesium is going to hurt kidney. And And yet when it's low, it hurts everything. And so I decided to find myself some mag citrate powder, which I cook with. I just pour a little on when I'm cooking. It's invisible. When I bake stuff, I put it in, and that citrate is impressive for keeping the acidosis under control. And then I find out it actually helps with with thyroid. That's amazing. I mean, that's that's really amazing. You know and and it, it was noted T3 is a marker for kidney survival.
0: That is correct. <laughs> like
1: I want to know what mine is.
0: <laughs> no, I agree. You know, magnesium is such a wonderful, you know, like a mineral. All of my patients go on that. Uh, it is right. so much needed by the thyroid and so many different things. More than 300 enzymes in our body needs magnesium. And the right. good part is that there are so many different forms of magnesium. And you say magnesium citrate, you know, is... We knew about that it, it was good for gut and the thyroid. Now we know that is also good for your kidneys. So one more reason to use that. But a lot of people use over-the-counter magnesium, which is magnesium oxide, which is, right. you know, like not the best form and actually can be harmful in some people. So definitely, you know, getting the citrate is is another reason for your kidneys and other things too. Yeah.
1: And you know, thyroid does slow the gut down like kidney can. There's a term called gastroparesis, and it, it's, you know, that the massaging motor action of the gut doesn't work as well. And here's another wonderful job for magnesium, because if you take enough, your bowels move. And with with any of these issues, constipation basically facilitates reabsorbing uremic toxins that you didn't want in the first place. You know, and so often we talk about using the bowel as a dialysis, you know, to excrete things that the body isn't successfully doing.
0: Good, so going back to the diet piece of it, you know, um, so a couple of things that I want to kind of share, like, you know, talk about more. Uh, first of all alkaline diet right so uh, so you do support alkaline diet for the kidney disease or you know like you do have okay
1: absolutely i mean there's there's a wonderful researcher at ucsf linda Fresetto, whose work basically has been looking at creating an alkaline diet and alkalinizing the body is enormous boon to kidney mhm so that, that's well accepted. But what I'm not seeing is nobody knows how to teach people how to do it.
0: Exactly. And that's um, what's coming to next is that, you know, like because a lot of things that you already shared is a part of the alkaline diet. So I just want to everybody know about it. But if there is yeah. anything more specific that you want to share about alkaline diet, that will be useful for folks also.
1: You know, the, 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 the grain thing is very interesting. Grains, wheat, which I usually suggest people try not eating and see how amazingly well they feel unfortunately um you know other grains you know all of them rice corn will cause excessive acidity in the body and those hydrogen ions need to go somewhere they need to get out well if you can't get them out what are you going to do eat less of them put less in and there's a certain need for an amount of, of calories There's 35 kilocalories per kilogram less than that people can have wasting you don't want to start losing muscle and you know, people will gain fat they look fine but if you do a dexa you see their muscles are muscles and bones both can be deteriorating also can happen with thyroid so again you know that marriage of thyroid and kidney Really compromise. So, animal food and grains. Okay, doc. What do I eat now? And so, you know what what my solution is is more ethnic food. Really, you know, there, many ethnic cultures have plant foods as as basis. You know, in in ways more than more than Western diet does, and so you know, it's a matter of figuring out how do I get that 30, 40 grams of protein a day and realize if you eat white rice, you're getting protein. If you're eating broccoli, you're getting protein. That's where chronometer comes in. But, you know, what kind? And again, I I love tempeh and tofu. I think that they're. Um, I know there's, you know, major soy hate and it has to be organic. And still I'm always like, oh dear, because you know we've, we've done some, some unpleasant things in terms of manipulating our food supply. And there's, I don't know what I can do about it except be proactive for myself you know, and, and, and be kind of stubborn and try not to eat anything that I don't trust. So, you know, so in terms of of that, like more vegetables, you know, look at your plate. I actually wrote a book on on acid-based diet years ago, and and then my mother was sick and I never published it. So I know a lot about it even before kidney and, you know, make your plate look like 75% vegetables, whatever the rest you want to throw in there, that's good. And so, if, you're, if your protein is vegetable, you're in good shape. Um, some people go purely vegan. Some people go purely vegan for three months or six months and really bring their numbers down. And then, like, maybe put a little fish in. Or, you know, my own diet I mean, I eat egg whites for breakfast. My lucky dogs get the yolks because I still watch my phosphorus, and, and egg yolks are pretty high in phosphorus. And I live on an island that has the most gorgeous venison on the planet and they've overrun the island. And so it's very plentiful. I eat some of it, not as much as my husband who loves it and you know, because of the kidney and because I don't wanna risk getting too acidic.
0: Absolutely, great. So wonderful. I mean, those were like really great tips and like a lot of good information about the diet that people can use, you know, for both thyroid and kidney disease is very similar to like what we use with our clients also. Uh, same yeah. thing again, plant-based diet, you know, with a little bit of meat, like, you know, the fish or the something that you want to add on to it. Uh, but thank you so much. So what else, you know, like things that can be helpful. So let's talk about those things. What else can be helpful? Well,
1: remember salt, Salt is everywhere. It is everywhere. you got to basically give up eating packaged food. The other thing some people say is give up eating out. (laughs) I've I've gotten sick several times eating out. Nice restaurants, beautiful food. The oil and the the salt are not good, you know, And, and so it's just be aware. It doesn't mean eliminate it. You can make yourself sick without salt but it's surprising. I mean, when, I, when you start doing the chronometer thing and, and it starts like, oh my God, there's way too much. So, you know, that's diet. It, it's like, commit yourself. It, it, there's no option. It's like, if you don't love yourself enough, you won't do a kidney diet. And the next one is sleep. Sleep and kidney are huge, melatonin gets messed up. I mean, sleep abnormalities, I'm not gonna go into a lot of the science details about it, but you gotta sleep. Get an aura ring and figure it out and make sure you're getting, you know, seven, eight solid hours of sleep. It's it's just not optional. The other thing that isn't optional is exercising, both resistance, you know, I just bought myself some weights that go from two pounds to 15. And, And, and I've lost fat, bone and muscle in the process of this illness. And so, you know, I'm, I'm very committed to reclaim. I probably had more fat than I needed. I don't mind that as much as the muscle, but, um, you know, yoga, very important kind of exercise and stress reduction, um, walking, you know, even just leg lifts on your bed, something, you know, if, if, when I was in the hospital, I was doing leg lifts <laughs> in the hospital bed, you know, and they were like, what are you doing? I need my exercise. Um, stress reduction is enormous, and, and in fact, my own case, I look back at my history, the antecedents of my case, major stresses, I mean, insane, crazy things, and and I thought, I, you know, okay, I'm tolerating it. I've dealt, I've coped. And I think in retrospect, it, that was the big hit. Um, the other one I think is I had cramps with my periods and took NSAIDs for years. Avoid those. Um, you know, but the stress factor is like, you know, our whole culture is spinning us all out. And to actually take that time out and just be quiet, find things of joy, playing music, singing, everything. Vagus. I mean, because the the effect of kidney disease on the body is it takes the vagus out. It's a sympathetic nervous system overload, too much. And I, I mean, I'm very aware of it. It's like things come at me. I'm reacting too much when I'm I'm aware of that and I know it, I can shift out of it, but it's a really, it's annoying. And so anything that you can do, that's why the sleep, um, intermittent fasting, you know, taking, taking 12 plus hours a day and not eating that can be while you're sleeping. And then some, I don't, I don't eat until 11 generally in the morning and, and then try to eat in those hours, you know, and and the benefits, you know, we know that the vicious cycles end up hypertension and diabetes are big deals with kidney disease. And also obviously with thyroid.
0: Absolutely. Yes. You know, like, a Those are like really like you know easy things that you know everybody can do you know and these are not like tough things that okay you need to spend a lot of money for it or you know you need to kind of dedicate for it you just kind of these are some life hacks that is good for so many people for so many diseases and if you can I forgot to say sugar what was that
1: I forgot to say don't eat sugar (laughs) yes. That's the. Hard, I mean, it's, it's, it's a crazy hard thing, but that's the hack. I mean, sugar and salt, we're drowning in them. And yet, yes, you can. I did it. I mean, I don't eat sugar anymore. I have to admit, I actually do eat a little tiny piece of chocolate pretty much daily. Yes, there's some organic sugar in it, but I mean, it's only this big. So, And that was after many years, I wouldn't eat any. I mean, and no sweeteners to really change that craving. You know, I'm stressed. Oh, here, baby, have a cookie. It's very dangerous, and so, you know, these are all things we can do. And and can you do it overnight? No. That's why I think you should start in stage two. Start trying to quit eating these things that are bad for you, because by the time this progresses, God willing, it won't. You'll re- you turn it around, but it it We know it's a progressive illness. And so start early with the ways that can fix it. It, it, It's hard to change your life. It's it's really hard to change diet and stress habits. You know, reactivities are so innate from childhood experiences. Some people even say intergenerational. So you got to mean it. You
0: got to mean it. I agree with that. I mean, those are like so great tips. And I also tell my patients the same thing is that do not try to do each and everything from tomorrow. You know, you just plan ahead of time. These are the things that is the ultimate goal that you want to do. But you cannot just start doing them all together tomorrow. You'll fail and then you'll stop doing everything. So maybe start picking up a new habit each and every day or every week. And then, you know, kind of add more new habits to it. Otherwise, you're going to fail miserably and you to do it.
1: I was talking about the twelve a twelve step program, and even do it over a year, like for a month. Focus on what you drink, and figure out how much to drink because most people tend to be kind of dehydrated, she says. And drinks.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely! I think you know like that's one of the things that we all lack. You know that. Uh, uh, we don't drink enough water and especially in the winter months you know because our body doesn't give us those cravings you know as we do in summers so mm-hmm. absolutely drinking more and more water and keeping keeping a log of it you know or keeping like a person's bottle that is so easy to kind of know how much you're drinking
1: you know and and you can you can get alcohol in water you can put a little lemon or lime in your water and that's alkalinizing mm-hmm. and there's so many ways you know it's like since I had walked into this situation, I call it, um, my, my health awareness is so much more attuned. I was scared. I mean, I started out having cancer. That got my attention. I was disciplined, but I realized in retrospect, I had plenty to fine tune. I had many improvements I could make. And that's the thing, you know, you love yourself enough. It's like seeing your child, the child's trying compliment them. Good job, Robin. You, you, you brought your water bottle, you, you know, and so that could be one, one month is sleep. One month is exercise. One month is studying. Have you learned enough about what you need to know relationships? I mean, I often talk about toxic relationships with kidney disease is enormous thing that really has to be addressed. Um, I, Early on, I had a a Facebook kidney group with patients, and I was shocked at the lack of support that many family members offered to people. I mean, it was heartbreaking to me. You know, family members wouldn't allow the person to eat the food they needed or stress them out in ways that, you know, we don't need to make each other sick. And so learning to be assertive and self loving and self protective is a real big deal that could take 3 months you know <laughs> or the rest of your life. And so, you know, there there are a lot of these things, you know, looking at your exercise. For a month, figure out, gee, I didn't really get my goal. Try again. You know, self-monitoring without blame.
0: Oh yes, no shame, no blame. Yes, you know, that is very important. Gosh, I mean, you have so many good information. You look like, you know, you're like an encyclopedia about this thing. You know, we can keep going on and on, but I think, you know, uh, we are running out of time over here. So any, any last, you know, uh, parting words that you have for people over here?
1: I think be aware. If, if you're beginning to see some decrease in kidney, just be aware and in and, and, and the Hashimoto situation, if you have Hashimoto's, start looking for your kidney stuff. And even just presumptively do kidney protective behaviors. You know, don't overdo eating too much protein. You know, I, I talked to some people who are into the carnivore diet. They all have kidney issues. Every one of them. So just, and, and the best thing, self-love, love yourself, be gentle.
0: Wow! Wow! Thank you so much for sharing that. So, I mean, if our audience wants to find you, you know, like, what is the best resource to get, like, you know, find you or get more information about you?
1: I'm kind of hard to find. I have to admit, I, I'm on Facebook, so I'm findable on Facebook. I don't have anything. I don't have a website. If I if I had a dedicated uh, geek person to help me, I would do it. Um, I'm, I'm emailable and I'm, I'm willing to share my email as long as people don't expect too much because sometimes that can be challenging, but I'm happy to give my email out, which is, I will spell the the first part of it, D-O-C, like doctor, and then B as in boy, I-N-A-H, docbina at Gmail.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. And definitely, we are all looking forward to your book. So I know I am your accountability partner. I'll continue if we do so, so that we can get that book out because I am looking forward to reading more about this stuff.
1: Thank you so much. Yay. Thank you for doing this. This is so important.
0: Yes. No, thank you so much for, you know, sharing all this knowledge and information. I really appreciate you finding time for doing this for us. So thank you so much.
1: You're so welcome.